You are listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Good morning, Ethan. Good morning, Josiah. How art thou on this day? What beeth good? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> dang it. You think I'd be ready. You know what I mean? I only ask this question basically <laughs> every single time I see you. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, I'll, I'll say something strange, right? Because the good thing I'll just, I'll just, just, what is it? What am I doing? You're brushed by it. I'll whisk brush by, by it. it. I don't know what I'm trying to say, <laughs> but I mowed recently. I mowed my yard. Yeah. Because I'm thinking, oh, we're about to get a week straight of rain. Yeah. And then we didn't. Right. It, that's what I'm getting to. The mowing is fine. No trouble. But now it's a confusion. Because <laughs> it's, we're just on the always it is humid a confusion. setting. It's humid at all times. It is. It and is. isn't raining. Intolerable. Where, Very muggy. Oh, my word. The tension has to break. <laughs> you know? It's like if someone took soup and then evaporated <laughs> it like a Grand Canyon's worth of soup yeah and evaporated it okay and then you were left to walk in the evaporated remains of the soup so it's felt to me oh hyper muggy yeah very very muggy yeah not pleasant i actually but not rainy not super rainy yeah. like some rain here and there but not rainy yeah i guess rain could have its own problems it could but uh, i would rather have rain though i than would too this just get it humidity, over with. you know yeah so uh yeah we have a person a uh, Do we? a young fellow okay a young fellow a neighbor who he mows our lawn so mm. i think we've talked about that like, yeah i don't i don't have to i do not worry myself anymore about it must be nice to be in the upper crust the, <laughs> the upper crust <laughs> 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 the upper crust i'm down here in the lower crust where yeah. it's it's soft and molten and it's hot and oh. miserable and i sweat yeah. all the time and all that i i have no real right to complain anymore but um I used to. <laughs> I, I used to have the right to complain. I used to have the right to grumble. And then the Lord was oh. like, I will have the earth open up and swallow you like Korah and oh, the gang. Wouldn't that be ironic? The very thing that I, I complain about is what swallowed me. Yeah, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be funny? Be really, like, real, real like, I can't believe this. Ah, ouch, that helps. Yeah. Oh, my word. No. <laughs> it back to a, no. Talk about that in another podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. You know what? I, I actually got... Recently, as of this recording, I got it yesterday. Yeah. I got a new desk from my office. Dude. But it is not any ordinary desk. At the church? Yes. Okay. Yes. It is a standing desk, Ooh. but it is not any ordinary standing desk. It is a motorized yeah, 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 yeah. memory storage standing Dang. desk. So you, can, you, can have, you have all your presets. Oh, yes, I do. Dang. Yes, yes. So when I press button two, it goes to the standing position so that i can stand up and work and then i hit button one and it goes back to in a comfortable sitting position nice so that i can sit and do my work whilst i sit and it also has an erasable glass top so that, like you can do dry erase markers oh, on the top of it and then just that's erase pretty it. nice dang it's, it's uh changing my world yeah rocking my world that's very cool in the best way so very cool got the multi-tier you know multi-level desk life here <laughs> You know what else has multiple levels? What has multiple levels? The church. Oh. <laughs> okay. A couple of ways we could go with this. There's the bronze level, the silver <laughs> level. The platinum. <laughs> oh, oh, based on your tithing. <laughs> That's it. Like the spa episode. <laughs> oh. It can occasionally get contentious when Christians start talking about other churches. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. You know, like, for example, you might kind of get this vibe sometimes that 
people might think or say, you know, like our church is perfect, Ooh. but the quote unquote rival church, they would never use that word, but right. like it's, that's the idea is mm-hmm. the rival church down the road is full of heresies and any Christian worth their salt ought to steer clear of them. <laughs> and, okay. uh, you know, now if a church that claims the name of Christ is actually propagating real heresies, mm-hmm. yes, there's an obvious problem. That's okay? a problem. No one, no one is denying that, but you'll want to see our episode on heresies for more about that. Sure. Just to, you know, make sure we're operating on the same understanding of heresies there. That episode, by the way, is the definition of heresy, which aired on April 11th. Ooh, precise. We've done yes. our research. We have done our research. <laughs> but more often than not, what most different churches are actually dealing with in a situation like that is not heresy or apostasy hmm. or anything quite so drastic. Rather, what we're dealing with is differences in those second or third rank doctrines that we've talked about yeah. in previous episodes, or differences in minute areas of theology, or how we approach the way ministry ought to be done. Sure, Those sure. sorts of things are what we're really actually getting to when we yeah. have those conversations and thoughts. So it's basically Thanksgiving dinner with your extended family. <laughs> But like on a church organization (laughs) level. (laughs) That's right. Except that instead of everyone coming together for Thanksgiving dinner, it's the neighbors across the street saying, Oi, you can't come over here. You stay over there. You're terrible. You're awful. And they're British all of a sudden too, because that's how it works. That's how it works. That's how it works. But for example, the Baptist church may blast a non-denominational church for the way they sing their music corporately, like for the type of music that they they play, you know, like, oh, you have a drum kit, you know, Uh, how dare you? But they frame it in such a way as to make you think that this is an issue that is essential to salvation and orthodoxy itself, Hmm. right? Now, likewise, a non-denominational church might look at a Baptist KJV-only church in such a way that we can make other people think that those folks' salvation is in jeopardy because, you know, you're so strict about, you know, your KJV-only and, you know, whatever else that we can do the same thing. We make it into a problem that maybe isn't quite a problem. Right. Or at least not to the level that we're ascribing to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's unhelpful. Um, (laughs) You don't see. I really do, like, especially with those examples, I think that angst is probably more common place than we realize, or at least more than I realized when I like read the episode title. Yeah. I don't even think you have to look at different congregations to get this. I, I can mm-hmm. overhear a friend say something, a friend who I know and trust, you know, yeah. and I, maybe I just have a different view on that topic. And and I will physically, I will feel a reaction. Yeah. I will feel it brewing. Like, ooh, like <laughs> tensing, tightening yeah. up, sweating, heart it's racing, like, like do exactly. what do I say now? And it's, it's like all the ways I could, I could respond to that, I could refute that, or I think I could, but to what end? Yeah, um, it's not the move most of the time. Yeah, and, and what I'm thinking in that moment, I know that is not edifying, mm-hmm. and I and I catch myself most of the time. But you know, I think what we've talked about in the past, as you mentioned, like the first rank or second rank or you know whatever doctrines, that's helped provide me a framework that I can kind of talk myself down from things that aren't worth the bloodshed. Yes, exactly. Know? So like if someone has differing views on the end times, which a lot of different churches yeah, have example. different views and a lot of different Christians within the same church have different views on that. Like yeah. I am not going to spend a ton of blood, sweat and tears trying to convince someone sure. of a view if they hold to another view 
particularly strongly. Yeah. There may be contexts where it's like, oh, like if we're in a public forum, you know, with public group and we're discussing views and bantering back and forth, yes, I will try to, you know, perhaps present a view. But like if we're like one on one and I'm like, I have to refute this guy and make sure he knows, like, <laughs> I'm sure yeah, that's like, go okay, well. like, why am I doing it? Like, yeah. that's probably at that point, not necessarily, but probably I'm just trying to like mm-hmm. pump myself up, so to speak. Yeah. It's, it's tough to imagine a situation where you don't end up just galvanizing someone else. Or, yeah. Because the, the instinct is just kind of dig your heels in. Right. So that all being said, how do we talk about the differences between different churches in such a way that we make it both clear that we have perhaps major disagreements? Mm. Okay, that can be possible. Yeah. And do it in such a way that so long as we agree on those first rank things, like the deity of Christ, mm. for example, and make clear that, okay, we're both members of the same household of faith, so we can do this charitably. So like, how do we have that discussion in, in such a way? Mm, that would be very nice. <laughs> Is it possible to learn this power? <laughs> Not from a clergyman. That's <laughs> <laughs> too many layers deep. No. You gotta know Star Wars and nerdy theology words. Right. Oh, it's good. I love uh, it. Yes. So one of my professors, speaking of frameworks and taxonomies Mm. that are helpful to Mm -hmm. having discussions like these, one of my professors at seminary introduced me a while back to this taxonomy of churches that I found profoundly helpful in thinking through this issue, particularly when it comes to churches. Mm. So he talked about four different types, uh, for lack of a better term, Mm. of churches. And those four types are pure churches, imperfect churches, corrupt churches, churches and false churches. Well, that got dark fast. Didn't, yeah, you go like all the way down, you're like, oh yeah, pure, imperfect, it's fine. Then uh, yeah. corrupt, corrupt and false. false. <laughs> I mean... False church. I mean, they're, those two are both so bad, I'm not even sure. Are we splitting hairs at this point? <laughs> you just, you're just done for. <laughs> you're yeah, like, you're anyway, out of running. You are, in, you are in what we call back home trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in this episode, I just want to introduce this concept mm. so that we can frame our thinking around it. Okay. So we won't go crazy in depth on any one of them. We'll just kind of lay the groundwork and, you know, who knows, maybe in future episodes we'll spend more time actually parsing out the differences more finely. But when we think about pure churches, these would be the churches that, on the side of the new creation anyway, are as close to perfect as can be. Hmm. They would not be without sin, of course, because... Who on the side of True. heaven is without sin. But as far as their theology and practice goes, they would check pretty much every box that there is. Impressive. Yeah. And for that reason, we're not so interested in them. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Not because this category is unimportant or anything, but because I think at this point, that's fairly self-explanatory. Okay. And if I'm going to be candid, I can't think of any pure churches, so to speak, off the top of my yeah, head. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I just can't think of any. Um, I, I think if you're intensely convinced that you are one, it's possible Probably not. you're not one. <laughs> like, oh, you know, all these other churches, every single church in our area is imperfect except us. Like, exactly. you think so? Oh, <laughs> you've, you've, you've shown your hand. Yes, well, let me tell you about <laughs> parables. <laughs> I don't know. So I think where most of the heat in intra-church discussions come from, you know, like where you get the the folks who are like really thinking ill of other churches mm-hmm. or saying like, oh, like if you're a Christian worth your salt, you ought to stay away from them. They're just awful. I think most of those kinds of discussions come from the last three categories, which sure. are the imperfect, corrupt, and false churches. Yeah. Um, so what are those? You know, like, and you even pointed out like, oh, the corrupt and false, like what, or are we parsing that too far? Like, you're, are you just done for if you're in <laughs> right? either of those categories? <laughs> so the imperfect church, that would be a healthy, 
otherwise orthodox body of believers that has one or more imperfections Mm. in an otherwise biblical framework. So, for example, I love Lutherans. I love the Lutheran Church. <laughs> what an open like statement. Yeah, like, no, it's like, you know, just like, like, whoa, okay, buddy, calm down. No, but like the Orthodox historic Lutheran Church, I think is a wonderful body of believers. They've contributed a lot in theology, you know, like Martin Luther, you go all the way back to him. I mean, particularly the way he recovered the doctrine of justification by faith alone. Mm. Just amazing, right? So I love Lutherans. There's a lot about what they think and how they approach ministry that I can get behind. However, I would call their churches imperfect insofar as, for example, they teach baptismal regeneration, which is, of course, just the idea that the waters of baptism themselves Hmm. actually regenerate us, okay? Okay. I think that's an imperfection. I don't think that's an accurate understanding of baptism, but they teach that. Like, that is part of what it means to be Lutheran, as you believe that. Wow. So, I'd say, okay, your church is orthodox, biblical, I'd call you Christians, get along, but... I do take issue with that. Sure. So that means I can happily affirm that their church is a true church with no qualms. I just want to talk more about their baptismal views, for instance. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, just, I want to have more dialogue about that. And if you tell me I'm becoming a Lutheran, I'm not particularly concerned for your soul or anything, mm. right? Like, I'm not like, oh my gosh, how, like you're becoming a Lutheran, holy mackerel. <laughs> you know, like, I'd, I would just want to talk through like, okay, like, yeah, like, have you considered their practices? Like, mm. you understand, like, this is what you're getting into, you know, are you willing to think through that? And do you agree with that? Yeah, fair that enough. That makes sense? I, I would imagine that's, it's like, not concerned for your soul here, but there are some differences in doctrine. Yes. That are, that are worth talking about. Right. Even if it's not going to, like, drive you off the ledge here. Yes, exactly, exactly. Now, corrupt churches. Oh, okay. That's different. That's we're going here. Corrupt churches are still technically true churches. Oh, okay. In the sense that a corrupt church would hold to first-ranked doctrines. Okay. So, you know, everything in the Apostles' Creed, they would sign off on, but they have errors serious enough that they could seriously mislead or damage the people of God. Like, ironically, their errors are so serious that even though they heartily and happily affirm those first-ranked doctrines, Mm -hmm. they could, in a weird twist, lead you away from those first-ranked doctrines if you actually hold to them and you're being logically consistent. So, for example, I would be willing to classify Roman Catholicism as a whole under the category of corrupt church. Getting spicy here. (laughs) Because we have so many Roman Catholic (laughs) listeners. now, actually, funny enough, there are probably some people who would actually want to downgrade go them. down to false church. Yeah. <laughs> but they do, they affirm the little c Catholic teachings of the church, like mm-hmm. as in, you know, the divinity of Christ, his sinless life, sacrifice, virgin birth, all those things, right? All the important Trinitarian things, etc. But their teachings on Mary, the saints, and how we are made right with God, like how that process actually works out. I think those teachings are in serious enough error as to potentially cause very serious issues for folks, up to and including the possibility that if someone doesn't properly understand them and they don't sort through them correctly, it could lead them to turn away from Christ himself if those issues aren't properly addressed. Didn't we very recently talk about, on the topic of, of how we're made right with God, there was like a council about parsing out the language? And they're like, yes. oh, we, we, we all right. went home and we agree. And it's like, yeah. actually, you don't No, agree. you don't. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. There are very material differences 
differences between the Roman teaching and the Protestant teaching on how we are made right with God. Yeah. Even though we do, and if you look at the Roman catechism to this day, they use the language of justification yeah. by faith. Right. It's just, they mean something very different by yeah. it. And they go on, of course, to explain that in the catechism. Now, so all that being said, though, there are true churches within Rome, and you can be a Christian within Rome. I think we've talked about that numerous times on yeah, the podcast. Yeah. I just think that Rome's errors in her dogma are serious enough that unlike telling me you're going to become a Lutheran, if you tell me I'm going to Rome, I'm going to become a Roman Catholic, I would want to sit down and talk with you more about that and say like, you know, okay, you know, I'm not going to say that like you're not going to become, you know, apostate by doing that. But I mean, have you really thought through everything the Catholic Church teaches? Because, you know, if you're going to become like another example, as a Roman Catholic, you don't have any room to disagree with the catechism. You don't get to take exceptions to it. Is everyone that strict or is that kind of unique to them? So both the Roman Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox churches um, very are down. very tied down to their tradition. Okay. It would be worth a whole podcast to nuance that and talk sure. that out a little more because I've, I've grossly oversimplified that. Um, <laughs> You'll get the idea that the Catholic Church is a, you know, a, a fossilized relic. They're not quite like that. No. Um, there have been very serious changes right. made within Catholicism. Yeah. I actually think that point disproves the whole idea that the one true Roman Catholic Church is the only true church. Because yeah. Interesting. Uh, part of their argument, and again, I'm oversimplifying and I'm getting off track here, but part of their argument is this is the way it's been since the Apostles. And uh, it's like, well, yeah, if you've had any development not. at all, that disproves your argument. Yeah. But I digress. All that to say, we've moved now from corrupt churches, which is to say, again, you're a true church in the sense that you be saved in that church, you agree with the first-ranked doctrines, but you have very serious issues mm. that you really need to work out and I think would be worth saying if you can't work those out, you really need to basically become Protestant. <laughs> but, you know, another episode for another time. That leaves us with false churches. Okay. Which are, you guessed it, just not churches at sure. all. Sure. Actually, really, these would just be cults. Okay. False churches are just cults. Um, the branch so, Davidians, yes. basically. Yes, okay. yes. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses, Heaven's Mormons. Gates. Yes, just check out our cults episode, yeah, really, <laughs> basically, to get a feeling for what false churches are. And you will see that. Yeah. Because those are the folks who say, we're Christians, right? Like, they say that. Uh, we want to okay. be considered Christians. And they have material disagreements with first-ranked doctrines. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we don't believe in the Trinity. Exactly. Like, okay, well, then, I mean, just, like, technically speaking, like, I'm not trying to be, like, even mean about it. Like, you're just, by historic definition, just not a Christian. Yeah. You, you could know? literally just say yeah. you're something. You could you pick a different thing. Yeah, just be something different. That's fine. That's you know, a hoop be another thing. You just you're, don't. You're actively not jumping yeah, to yeah, this. Hoop. Like you are. Like I've gotten us off on a tangent here, but like <laughs> do you know, you, we use the word gentleman, right? Okay. To describe someone, it's like, oh, he's a gentleman. Yeah. Okay. To describe someone who's like, oh, like he's generally well mannered and respectful, mm -hmm. right? But it's very subjective. There is no objective way to codify a gentleman. Right. Right. You know, the weird thing about it is, is that was not always the case. Okay. Gentlemen had a objective meaning. That's interesting. In history. A gentleman was someone in, I think it was England in particular, a person in England who was landed, who like, who had property. I had a feeling land was a part of that. And who I believe belonged to a certain like noble family. Like you had oh, belonged to, I think, don't quote me on the exact details of that. The point being, you had to meet certain criteria to be a gentleman. It wasn't just like this vague thing that you were like, okay, like, well, you know, eh, vaguely we're all gentlemen, you know, to make people like feel better about You're themselves. You're occasionally polite. Yes. Yeah, 
like you're a gentleman now noble landowner um, yes and uh, <laughs> but like false churches want to do that with christian like they want to take it from something that has like oh here's an objective oh, criteria okay. like term to describe someone who meets certain doctrinal beliefs yeah and turn it into this like well like you know generally speaking we all agree that like we're, we're the people of god we're the you same know, like, flavor yeah like we're not no. the same flavor yeah, we're not the same flavor dude <laughs> like come on so um anyway uh, all i got off on that all that is to say is false churches are just not churches yeah. they're they're cults really yeah. is what that comes down well, to it, really that's more concise than i expected because <laughs> I, I don't mind saying I was sweating a little bit as we got closer to the entry of yeah. false churches. I was like, oh yeah. boy, whose hit list am I going to be on? Be a- like, we're coming after you now. So all that is to say, the important thing here is to be able to dialogue in a charitable yet constructive way, particularly, I think, between the imperfect and corrupt churches. Yeah. Recognizing that apart from God's grace, none of us would be able to figure any of this out anyway. Like yeah. what we know and how we know it is all of God's grace anyway. So when we come to these discussions, we really need to have a charitable spirit, even while still, you know, firmly holding to what we believe, understanding why we believe it. And not writing off, you know, like people who like, okay, they're part of an imperfect church or perhaps a corrupt church. That doesn't mean they're not true churches full of true Christians. Like you can't just say, oh, like, well, they're apostate because they're imperfect or corrupt. Like stop saying that. Stop thinking that way. It will allow you to, again, have a constructive dialogue, Mm -hmm. but also should hopefully fuel charity and love. We would hope. Yes, we would hope. We pray. That's actually the goal. Despite all of these jeers and jabs. We want want to share in the fraternal brotherhood and sisterhood of the church. So yes. So there you go. Taxonomy for you. So it's a little less less dichotomous in in areas it doesn't need to be. There are certain areas where it ought to be, but in these particular discussions... Not so much. Not so much. So there you have it. There's your taxonomy. I like it. So thanks as always for listening. We hope this was helpful to you. And if it was, and you want to leave us an honest five-star review in that Apple podcast platform, Hmm. that'd be stellar. We would love that. We'd appreciate that. Gets the word out there. It really does help. And if you have any questions on this or any other topic, feel free to email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. So thank you as always for listening, and we'll catch you next time.